0: 108, Michael Bevan. No, we can't use it twice. Welcome to the Nice here Football Podcast. Uh, no Tommy tonight at the moment, but Cooper's here with me. How you doing, man? Yeah, good, man. Good to be back. I've had the confidence of the board, apparently, so I thought i
1: better better pull my socks <laughs> up and get to work.
0: Uh, he returns. It's great to have you. Um, the pod should be a safe space tonight as well because we don't have Tom here wreaking havoc through Twitter like he has been. Um we, we'll all get through this, I think, without him. Yeah, hopefully we haven't riled up too many crow supporters to ruin the already bleak Spotify numbers. So, my god, he's uh, he lays it on, doesn't he? He lays it on, but he's not here to defend himself right now, so we'll lay off. He might be here later. Who knows? He may pop up mid recording. Um, we're just going to go through the Premier League games, I guess, chronologically. Um, Man United, Everton. Uh, in my notes here, I've just got "meh" next to it. Pretty standard business as usual. Yeah,
1: pretty much what it is. Anthony Martial got himself a goal first game back. Um, Might be important given the little injury scare for Marcus Rashford, so they might need him to find some form.
0: Could be, yeah. I've seen comments from United fans. They really like, Uh, they prefer when Martial plays as that central striker as opposed to like Horst or, you know, even when Rashford plays centrally. Um, I don't know. I've always not minded Martial just for whatever reason. It's not been the greatest of times there, but he pops up every now and again. Everton just uh their own created their own downfall in this one, I think, and they probably they deserve to get hammered. Yeah, good chance, I'd say. I'm still still really
1: trying to wrap my head around on what it would feel like to support a club that had been so successful for so long and now you're watching Veghorst run around up front for you every single week. It
0: it can't be easy. Can't be fun. It's like the Arsenal had the days with Maran Shamak. And if he wasn't fit, it would be uh, Nicholas Bentner. Nicholas Bentner. And for all the meme quality of Nicholas Bentner, I think there's a reason that meme quality was around, and it's because of a lack of footballing quality. Um, I don't have anything else on United Everton. I think just, you know, pretty standard. Three points that United needed at home against a poor Everton side, and and they got it. Um, Villa have sent Nottingham Forest into the relegation zone with a 2-0 win. My only note here is that uh, Forest... Have, just looked gash. But Villa look extraordinary under Unai Emery. Yeah, they seem to to look all right, Villa.
1: They got themselves out of what might have been potentially a little bit of mid-season trouble and seem to have rubbed Nottingham Forest further in. I saw, didn't watch the game myself, but saw quite a few tweets along the lines of how is John Joe Shelby a professional footballer? and And I asked that question for a long time as a Liverpool supporter, but I don't really know what
0: he's doing. <laughs> Bumming around for Forrest at the moment either. He he had his time as a decent lower level, like bottom half Premier League player. But I think now it's probably a little bit beyond him and is uh, a real clutching at straw signing, I guess. Newcastle offloading him because they're looking to rebuild anyway. But it seemed a strange pickup and, uh, you know, they're suffering for it at the moment because they've just slipped down into that 18th spot which uh, could be tough to get out of. Yeah, they look like
1: they're in a little bit of trouble at the moment. Um, Everton sort of keeping them maybe alive, but geez, you just think they'd surely be too good to go down Everton.
0: Uh, potentially, yeah. At this stage, it's really hard. It's changing week by week. Team, I said that about Forest maybe a month or so ago, saying that they were starting to get it together and they looked like they were on the up and then they've slipped back into into their shit. So who knows? Um, I know we're whizzing through some of these, but some of them will, some of these games we'll talk a bit longer about one of them might be Newcastle beating Brentford on the road two one. There was plenty of drama in this. Um, and the note I have is the Isak, the signing of Alexander Isak, um, just great scouting, perfect recruitment by Newcastle. Yeah.
1: He's been really effective for them. And, he doesn't necessarily completely have, have the goals behind him, but he really, really has a way of bringing players into the game around him. And he's a great hold-up striker. And he's a really good point of difference from from Callum Wilson for Newcastle, I think. And for a team like Newcastle to have the quality of Callum Wilson coming off the bench as well, is it's a big tick in the
0: positive direction that they're trying to take. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think like... I don't know, having a, a just kind of just what you just said, I guess, but being able to back it up now, having multiple options. They've got some options off the bench with like players like say maximum, and he wasn't there on the weekend because he was injured, but um, Amaron's out injured as well, but they seem to have just got that squad just enough, good enough to that level that they can keep stringing points together. You predicted a drop-off from them, and they've gone a bit the other way. Yeah, they sort of had had
1: three or four rough weeks after after the Christmas break there, but they've come back and they seem to be to be scoring goals, which is almost the opposite of what they were doing before Christmas. They were sort of that one nil, two 0 hold on team, and now we've seen them win two one at Brentford but five one the week before mm. and and sort of just taking advantage of the I was gonna say form or the lack thereof form. With the teams surrounding them, with Man United and Tottenham and and Liverpool and Brighton not being able to necessarily find complete consistency, um, I love what Eddie Howe is doing with this team. There was a lot of talk about um, Anthony Gordon getting a start in this game, um, and Adam Peacock had tweeted about a moment with Anthony Gordon where Eddie Howe had spoken to him about tracking back and, and getting into the game, pulled him over, let's be positive. And he went forward on this really good run about five minutes after the conversation. You could just see Eddie Howe getting behind him on the sideline, took a player on, created a really good chance. And Joe Willick scuffed the shot straight at the keeper. And they've played a quick ball out and started to counter down his wing. And Anthony Gordon's standing there throwing arms at Joe Willick and and just letting players, Brentford players maraud down his side. And Eddie Howe has... Instantly, just forty-six minutes, a minute into the second half, throwing the sub board up, pulled him off, and just giving him an absolute fucking rocket
0: on the way to the bench. Poor old Joseph, Popping <laughs> so- an absolute reaming. Um, y- y- or oh, was it Murph? Was it Murphy? No, no, Anthony Gordon. Gordon came on at halftime. Or well, into the- in the second half. Okay, potentially the game before then that I've seen the tweet from, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, Gordon came on forty-six minute. Um, your point still stands, though, I guess. Um, they scored a third, but it was disallowed, and it could have been a game that went a completely different direction because via, uh, via, VAR. I'll get my words right. VAR intervened. Been a big weekend. Ivan Tony scored and was given offside. Another one of these. You know, it was a, a a little bit of his shoulder was offside. He's not really gaining an advantage there, but I guess that's what the rule is now. And then they had a pen, which was, I don't know if you saw this one, but it was one of the, the most psychopathic pens I've ever seen. The Newcastle defender flying across. I think it was Botman. Yeah, Sven Botman. It was, it was getting, a shocking challenge. In like an absolute madman. Uh, nowhere near it. Um, but Tony misses the pen very uncharacteristic, and then he gets a pen. And then it all unravels from there for Brentford, but they did put up a decent fight. They could have easily gone the other way, um, but it just sees Brentford maybe slip a little a little too far out of that. Uh, what little kind of Europa League hunt they were in.
1: Yeah, they're probably a little bit too far back now outside that group, especially with the form that Villa are in. They've got themselves up to sixth now, so... So they're probably just a little bit too far out of it, Brentford. Yeah.
0: Um, Moving it on, my next note I have is Fulham-West Ham. That's a big no from everyone, I think. Did anyone watch this? <laughs> I didn't watch it. And and looking at the lack thereof highlights, I'm glad that I didn't as well. Mm. Big three points for West Ham, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how the rest unfolds. Um, A huge relegation ramification battle. Just like that one. Relegation ramification. Leicester losing one nil at home to Bournemouth. Huge um, for Bournemouth, atrocious for Leicester. They are now in serious shit after sacking Brendy. They didn't get the new manager bounce. They've instead lost at home and failed to score. Uh, they're now what are they? Twenty five points. Forrest above them on twenty seven. Everton on twenty seven. It's looking grim.
1: Yeah, I think um our friends at Leicester to put it nicely might be a little bit fucked. Um a little bit. Fucked. I don't I don't really see them see them getting out of it. Um and there was to rub salt in the wounds. I spent the last 7 days with heavy rumours of a Jesse Marsh takeover as well at Leicester. Um but according to Fabrizio Romano it seems like it's probably off the table and they they're in pretty heavy talks with Rafa Benitez, so I don't know. Maybe maybe Ruffa comes in and and sparks something,
0: but he, he didn't really do it for Everton. So no, and they, the turnaround time now is very short. You know what have we got? Nine yeah. nine games eight, to play. Eight games, eight games to, play. to play
1: for Leicester. Yeah.
0: yeah, eight games to play, and I don't know how many of them be winnable. They're away to Man City this week, so you'd think that's a a pumping on the way. Um, I hope not. I hope they can pull a miracle there, but. I doubt it very much, given the form City are in, but we'll get to them later. Um, next one we've got here is probably the most dubious game of the weekend, without a doubt. On paper, it looks a bit, meh, Spurs v Brighton. But you look at the ladder, and Brighton are stalking them a little bit. Spurs up and down in form all season, but hanging on to that fourth, fifth kind of area. Uh, this game, not without the drama. No, it can probably be well summed up with the uh YouTube video
1: you came across before on the official Brighton YouTube channel uh labeled contentious calls in the capital um yeah it was very much it was very much that for Brighton um
0: they've um they've literally put together a highlight video of just the dubious calls I love that from Brighton just proper proper how proper salt
1: they're, they're not happy and it seems they've got good reason to to be unimpressed they do as well.
0: They do have good reason to be unimpressed. Where do you want to start with it? What was first? I guess it was the... Um, Probably the Son goal, if you're going to start chronologically. In that tense, we
1: saw a very good goal in this game. We were talking before about how he's got a got a very punchable head and he's that guy in the Premier League that, that you love to hate, but he, he's a very good player and a, another
0: very good finish. I just want to clarify my reasons. I think he's just one of those players. He does just little prick shit all the time. He goes in dirty or does something something foul and then acts so innocent, and it just does my head in a bit, but he's a super player, and he can pull out goals like this if you give him half a sniff, so just not really tight enough he got he he found half a yard and that's all he needed to bury that in the corner yeah i can't, I can't remember if it was against
1: in my head it was against Chelsea a few years back when he when he got that straight red card laying on his back and he's kicked out at someone trying to help him up and Mm. And he's gone off and they've shown him walking down the tunnel and he's crying his eyes out in despair. And it was a real big, Oh, well, it was me? Moment yeah. Someone that's just had a proper fuck moment.
0: Who was the, um? was it at palace where he broke the player's leg? Yeah. It sounds about right. Yeah. Or Everton. Everton, maybe. I don't know. It was somewhere. I'm going to go with Everton. I'll lock that in. If anyone's listening that can tell us, let me know. Um, then we have like there's this penalty shout for Brighton with the handball, um, is it Matoma chasing it down and Hoiberg just kind of punches it away? Yeah, it seems to just like whether it was intentional or not. He I seems don't think just it's like, intentional. But just
1: raise his arm from the side and, and just knock the ball away mm. from a player that's very much just in a position to probably take a hit when it comes down. And it's whether you like the way the handball law works or not. It. In comparison to some of the other shit we've seen in this game especially, it has to be a penalty.
0: Well in Scotland for reference they've recently brought in VAR like we're talking a few months ago like partway through the season um, and it's been, they're giving handballs for literally fucking anything and it's so easy to get a penalty for handball, they're just, they're dishing them out and this one would have 100% been given in Scotland, I'm not saying that's the right call but the problem we have, obviously, is that that doesn't get called. And when you compare that to the two Brighton disallowed goals, so we've got one from Matoma, which is, it's borderline, but I don't think it's handball. And then we've got one from McAllister, where Welbeck takes a shot and it hits McAllister and goes in. But McAllister is like, it's literally just hit it. Like his arm is. Tucked it. The only way for his arm to be more tucked in would be for it to be underneath his skin and actually inside his body. And that's fucked. We don't want to see that. So, you know, I don't understand how that can be given handball like his arm has to exist somewhere.
1: Yeah, that's it. And we said, you know, watching it back, we'd sort of said he's done everything that we ask players to do. Like he's done every possible thing that he could off to get his arm out the way of that ball to the point that if his arm actually didn't exist, that the ball would have just hit hit his ribs and, and we would have had the same result regardless?
0: Yeah, it would have. I, I believe so. But you can't really, you know, we can't get into a game where we're judging whether or not, like, his arm or rib would have, like, affected it. It's just got to be, like, too bad. He did everything he could to get out of the way and it's gone in. That's unlucky Tottenham. Like, you know, that's the way it goes. It's a deflection off... A player who's not breaking any rules or offside or doing anything wrong whatsoever in fact like you said doing everything possible to get his arm out the way it's not out it is dead up against his body because the other thing is if that happens the other way around in the box uh, they're not getting a penalty for it like as we just saw he'll be a punch one away and it wasn't given yeah, so I just
1: again as always i just don't understand the interpretation of these rules and and how one is and one is and it's just it's so frustrating
0: i don't understand how we can have a rule that um does actually state that it is different whether it's attacking or defending like it, or if it results in a goal or not you know that should not really come into it i don't think
1: yeah no i agree it's it's frustrating yeah. it's it's one of those rules that how can you have a rule that is so far down to interpretation? You know, different different ref on the day, different ref in the bar box. And, and we probably have a Wellbeck goal that stands and, and a Brighton penalty against Toyburg. So why are we getting such different results between? Why is there such a point of difference between different referees?
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, Harry Kane pops up eventually with a winner. Uh, good on you, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Spurs stuff. Uh, both managers saw red, though. Which was interesting, yeah. They did. And then, uh, yeah. yeah. Don't mind a bit of that on the sideline. It Was going off. That was after the, it was after the Hoiberg, which the Hoiberg handball or the Welbeck goal, one or the other. I think it was after the Welbeck one was disallowed. Um, there was also a, another penalty shout on Matoma where he was absolutely booted in the box, and that wasn't given either. That was the to me the
1: most blatant one. He he chested the ball down to a spot where he had so much room in the box to either hit it first time or take a touch and, and hit it. And, mm. and Hoiberg has just dumped his entire body weight on top of Matoma's standing foot and brought him to ground. And just absolutely, I, I've sat there and watched the replay of it and I'm considering in my head what I'm doing right now is exactly what the VAR official has done. And somehow he's looked at this and just gone, "No, nah, play
0: on. Yeah. One of the, one of the top comments on YouTube for that clip was like someone talking about the commentator Even the commentator said, what an awful decision or something like that. It was, it was dreadful. Uh, A really poorly officiated game, especially for this level. Um, And it kind of spoils it and it kind of, it takes away a bit from what is a a really big three points for Spurs. Yeah. Really big three points for Spurs and,
1: and in reality, with the way the season's gone, it's a really big loss of three points for Brighton because it's dumped them out the out the top six for now, um, and they find them seven self seven points behind Spurs with only the two games in hand now. So, so that fifth spot, that mm-hmm. Europa League spot, is now out of Brighton's hands and
0: into Tottenham as a result of the game between the two. Yeah, Aston Villa all of a sudden up to uh, we didn't mention it before, but. Just looking at that gap between Brighton and Spurs and Villa have shifted their way up into sixth. That's the, the form they're in. Um, the next game we've got is Wolves one Chelsea, Neil an absolute. Th- I don't know what you call this goal by Nunes. Just unreal. Yeah. Proper screamer. Um, the only moment in
1: another 90 minutes of atrocious football to watch in a Chelsea game. They, you know, we sort of spoke about are they are they finding their feet when they had those results three or four weeks ago now, and the answer is well and truly no. It just it just continues to go wrong for Chelsea.
0: Yeah, they have no answers at the moment, and I saw a few of the old names coming up. Pierre America Aubameyang popped up in this one and had a chance or two, but couldn't find a goal. Uh, Felix uh, being replaced by him. Havertz replaced by Pulisic. Mudrick coming on for Sterling. They've got all the players there. It's just still not happening. We've talked about them every week, but um, it's, it's remarkable. I think, they just, like, yeah, they just don't have the, They just don't have the quality. It,
1: and it seems ridiculous when you when you rattle off the That's list of That's a crazy thing to say. That you, just, you just have. But 62% possession and 13 shots across 90 minutes, but they found the target once. Yep. One time. It's it's just honestly hard to believe and be questioned how they even, how do you win a game of football if you can't trouble a, you know, mid table sides goalkeeper in 90 minutes with that much dominance?
0: I think like, you know, we are re- just repeating everything we've said every other week about Chelsea at the moment. But for me going into this week, I was like, well, not even just this week, the last few, the last few games, like Villa the game, um, you're just looking at it like, nah, this is the week. Like, they'll win this week. They have to because look who they're playing against and look who they have, and they still don't. And you wake up and you look at the scores and you go, "What the fuck? Like, how? How is this possible?" Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the answers, and I kind of hope they don't either. Um, long may it continue. Um, we'll just finish on that goal again, though. Mateus Nunes. Just yeah, cracker. not much of a right to shoot from that angle there like that. And he just nails it to perfection. So good to watch. I could watch it again and again and again. Um, the next one on my list here, we're into the Sunday game. Oh, was this, I believe this was early Sunday morning. Southampton one, man, City four. Uh, my note that I have next to this is just standard. Yeah, very much so. Harlan scores and City win. It's become a,
1: a weekly pattern to... You don't even really need to say discuss on the podcast anymore. It's just a, a preconceived idea. Um, Southampton got themselves a goal in the game. Um, not sure how, not sure why they even bothered,
0: but. <laughs> why did they hey, bother hey, scoring? Hey, here we are. <laughs> why did you bother scoring, Southampton? Just pack it up and go home. Um, Harlan reaches 30 goals, and that is quite extraordinary.
1: Yeah, it's uh three goals in nine games to to beat Mohamed Salah's Premier League goal scoring record in a single season. So once that once he eclipses that, I'm very much going to get on the all well and good. But Salah did it as a
0: winger train, so be prepared. Harlan <laughs> did it. <laughs> Salah did it as a winger. You reckon? Love that. Um, what's like? Where are you sitting at the moment after that? Disaster of a pod where you said that Harland makes City worse. I saw a um actually Tommy. I saw a few weeks ago. I saw a thread on
1: Twitter, and and it's come up, and it's just a photo of Erling Harland, and it said, "Why Erling Harland makes Manchester City worse." A thread, and I thought, finally some validation. Finally, someone that that's done what I haven't and found some some actual facts to support my support my point. So I've I've clicked the link for the thread and opened it up and all it said was he doesn't move on. <laughs> okay. And and that's probably very much where I'm at with it. Um I think he is a few years ago when they were playing with the outer striker and, and KDB was playing as a false nine, I still believe that that they were playing better football. And and I still think that's where I was coming from with that. But in in hindsight, if you've got Kevin De Bruyne as that guy up front who's probably the best passer in the world, you're undoubtedly going to play better football, but they, they did not have the end product or anywhere near it that they have now with Haaland sitting on the end of those chances that that they create regardless of having De Bruyne there. Yep. Um they don't need they don't need eleven Kevin De Bruyne's on the pitch to create chances. They've got ten blokes who do it perfectly fine for him anyway, and and Harlan
0: seems the ultimate guy to finish it off for him. Absolutely. Um, he's unstoppable. I'm really scared. We'll get to the Arsenal game last, but Jesus, I'm terrified. Um, Leeds played Palace. Tom's not here to talk about this one, but um, I just wrote LOL in capital letters next to it.
1: Yeah. Um, 22 minutes into this game, I saw a message pop up on my phone that just said, Bambi in all capital letters, and I thought, oh well, Leeds must be winning. And so I flicked it on, saw they were winning, watched them miss three or four golden opportunities to go two, three, four nil up, and, and really cement themselves. You know they were thirteenth four days ago, and and Tom was raving about the safety of of Leeds in the Premier League, and and they could have been three or four nil up at halftime, and they have conceded a proper a proper Roy Hodgson goal in the 49th minute of the first half or whatever it was, 48th minute and shocking defending, shocking goalkeeping, terrible goal. And yeah, it just capitulated from there, didn't it? It was you know, just the beginning. I I was on the way to, to the casino to watch Liverpool, the Liverpool Arsenal game that we'll obviously get to. But, you know, it was one all at halftime and I had updates popping up on my phone and I'm driving along and my phone's got the map on the thing and I've gone, up. Oh, there's there's two there's three, there's four, there's, and it just, they just didn't stop coming. And it was, you know, we spoke about the quality before that that they have Crystal Palace and they have all those X-Factor players. And I think this is an example of when three or four of them play a good game on the same day that they can just absolutely
0: tear a team apart, but it doesn't happen often enough. They um they had this moment. They were doing things like Edouard was getting slipped in and then he just had a simple ball to play to Elise for a goal. And, he fucked it up, and Elise ended up super wide, but he still had time to just go get it, stop, cut onto his good foot, cross it in, and IU scores, and just shit like that was happening. Um, IU scored two goals in this game, and he'd scored one all season before that. <laughs> like I was, I was gonna bring up. I saw her on Twitter
1: um a lead supporter had tweeted how the fuck is Jordan Ayew still a Premier League striker and how the fuck does he still have a number 9 shirt in this league and i thought <laughs> well hold on he's just scored 2 goals you know he had a he had a quite a good world cup as well jordan ayew i thought maybe he's maybe he's been all right this season so i had a sass enough you know he's only scored 3 goals for the whole campaign and 2 of them were in this game so yeah he
0: <laughs> he the reason he still is a Striker in this league and wears a number nine is because every now and again he comes up against League One defending quality in Luke Ailing. This guy stinks. I don't know if Tommy would still defend him or not. I think he agrees with me that he's not good, but he loves him still. But uh, this he's just not good, like he's terrible. And this whole back one looks like it needs a redo at the moment because they're just all over the place. They have nothing in midfield at the moment either. Um, which it sounds weird to say because they had all these chances to go be like what two three nil up in the first half and just they just capitulated though the way they defend, um, it was like watching like the the latter stages of the Bielsa time at Leeds. Really weird lineup they
1: put out too. Um, Somerville on the bench didn't even get on. Rodrigo only only found his way on the pitch after the hour mark. Same with Nonto. Mm. So they seem to. I don't. I don't want to say quality when I talk to when I talk well, to the state of Leeds, but but the few glimmers of quality that they might have all on the bench at the same time. And yeah, I'm just I'm just I shouldn't be surprised by this result. But after the way Palace had been playing and the way things have been going and and Hodgson coming in and Leeds getting a big win last week, I I actually put Leeds in a multi. I was that I was that confident that that they'd
0: get the job done at Ellen Road. And I was very, very wrong. Yeah. Um, We'll move it on. Uh, Tommy can listen back to that one when he gets here. And oh, he's actually just joining the call now. Here he is. He's just popped up and we've just finished talking about Palace pumping leads. Can you hear me? Are you alive? You're with us or you want to wait? I'm here. I'm alive.
2: You know, it always takes me a second to get through the technicalities of this thing. Do you have anything
0: you want to say about Palace and Leeds? Because we just finished Man, it. Not whatsoever. Why wouldn't you wait for me? Nah, nothing. Do you, I just talked about how bad Luke Ayling is um, and said that Jordan Ayew is still a striker in this league and wears a number nine shirt because he comes up against someone like him every now and again. Is that oh. fair? Partially.
2: Partially. Partially, I think the last four games we've definitely seen the regression of Luke Haling. We were just, taking
0: I just, the past four games
2: or the past two years. No, the past two years is harsh. He was he was fantastic under Bielsa. He was definitely playing. It was one of those guys, Championship Lucia, Stuart Dallas, Alioski, etc., that got to a different level <laughs> under Bielsa. But when you mm. put him with some bang average coaches, know what he's doing? He's just going to be your regular old championship trash, isn't he?
1: We were um, we were taking notes for Premier League fixtures before this and Sam said to me, Um, Leeds Palace, you got anything? And I said,
0: Um, uh, no. Ah, oh, we'll talk about it obviously, but not overly. And he goes, I'll just write low. <laughs> I did, I just wrote low. I might share a shot of my, my notes here for this one later. Um, that's, might be more interesting content to put on our social media than um than tweets about racism in the AFL, I think, Tommy. Do you, would you agree? Mm. Or
2: Oh, that's yeah. Absolutely. Could be the reason why I was late
0: tonight, guys. The uh the disciplinary was... hearing <laughs> he crimes dis... against Crom Twitter went a bit long. He had a hearing with the NSF board and our shareholders, and um, yeah. no, he's back though. We've got him. We've got him. All um, our
2: endorsements.
0: We're just moving on to the last game of the Premier League round, and my note for this one is fuck me because I just I don't know where I want to go with this. Have Arsenal dropped two points or? You know, it feels that way because we were 2-0 up, but then it could have so easily been a loss at the end there, but it also could have been a win at the end. Um, Where do we start with this one? Another night shift derby, Cooper. Yeah. um, There's something about a Liverpool
1: Arsenal fixture that screams Roberto Firmino goal, and I had a couple of terrified Arsenal mates sitting next to me watching the game when he came off the bench, and it's... Probably one of the more confusing games of football that I've watched in a long time because we were two 0 down and I was prepared to watch us be battered at Anfield by what I think has been the best side in the Premier League this season. Um I actually had money on an Arsenal minus two handicap and I thought that I was I was on my way to <laughs> You nice, on your way. On my way to a nice payday at and I've never felt more dirty about losing a game of Premier League football after being 2-0 down than I have in this one because it honestly felt like we probably could have won at 4-2 or 5-2 in the end. Um, might have might have got ourselves level late, but Sulla again completely missed the target with another penalty. And geez, if Arsenal win the Premier League this season... There's going to be some firm handshakes going around the change rooms for Aaron Ramsdale for his last 15 minutes in this game because he was absolutely phenomenal. Is it time to take Salah off pens? It was long time before, and the only reason he takes them is because it's a nice little stat booster, and and I think it's related to getting goal scoring confidence in attackers. But Fabinho is one of the best penalty takers in the world, and he's in our starting really? eleven most weeks and. And I think you will see from here on in, if we get one and he's on the park that he'll probably take it.
2: Interesting. Cause he's only really missed what two or three as he, seller. He had a really impeccable record before oh, the hey. previous one that he put wide.
1: Yeah. I noticed watching this, this game. One thing with Mo seller is he has this double hop sprint to the ball when he takes a penalty and he usually just laces it. And he has this habit of going straight down the middle and he obviously he it's worked so well for him for so long and, And he did it against, I can't think he missed the penalty against a couple of weeks ago, and he's blasted Mm -hmm. over the bar. And he's obviously down on confidence. And if you watch the pen back, Aaron Ramsdale, he eventually falls to his right, but he very much stayed tall, straight straight down the middle on on this penalty. And I don't know whether, whether that threw Mo Sulla or if he hadn't noticed that. But the one thing I noticed is Sulla, he sort of, slowed down his, his run up to the ball to take this penalty and he actually tried to side-foot it into the bottom corner and it's the first time mm. I've actually ever seen him side-foot a penalty. So mm. it, it seems a confidence thing. Was it a
0: pen, Sammy? What do you think? Maybe Salah just stinks and he was a one-season wonder. <laughs> I'm kidding. Obviously, he's a gun. Um <laughs> I think it probably is a pen. Mm. It's a uh, real overzealous from Rob Holding there. I was going to mention both. Both Liverpool goals, I guess it's easy to see it from a from an Arsenal perspective. Both Liverpool goals seem so avoidable. Well, the first one, not so much, was more just they got a bit, bit lucky there with the fall of the ball um, when it comes off. I think it's Henderson who tries to have a shot and he just kind of scuffs it wide and Salah's there to poke it home, just gets ahead of Gabriel. Um, but the pen, I think, is just... Yeah, it's a it's a coming from a guy who in Rob Holding who ha- hasn't played a whole lot of football. Um, he's in because of an injury to William Saliba at the moment. Ideally, in an ideal world, Ben White is probably playing centre back because Tommy Asu plays right back, but Tommy Asu is out as well. So with Saliba being out, yeah, Ben White probably would have just played centre back, but Tommy Asu is out as well, so. Rob holding at center back, Ben White at right back, no good. And then the uh, what was it? The the second goal, the Liverpool goal, um mm, Zinchenko Zinchenko gets. gets absolutely, absolutely rinsed by Alexander Arnold. And I guess that's karma to me for all the shit I've talked about, Trent over the years. <laughs> but obviously the guy is a super good uh attacking threat, Trent. Um I just I don't think he's a particularly good defender but when you've got wow. guys like van dyke and that next to you you don't always need to be although i suppose this season has kind of highlighted some flaws there uh but when you can do this sort of thing in the in the attacking third then that's you know that that goes a long way to helping you get results he he doesn't seem to be getting any better at defending trent but his attacking output i think it's to yeah um,
1: yeah it's very getting very very good it I outweighs it.
0: i think it's worth having him just because it outweighs it
1: 100%. Um, people seem to forget that when we were at the peak of our powers and we weren't conceding goals for fun and defending wasn't necessarily a huge thing for him to worry about, he was the best right back in the world for probably three or four years between 19 and 22 years old. Um, And a note that I had on him from this game is Jurgen Klopp made what I thought was pretty tactically brilliant of a change at half Um, And it's the first time we've ever seen him do it. Uh, Trent played as an inverted fullback in the second half and he got so much more of the ball in so much more room in almost a centre midfield position and it worked so well and he was able to do it because he played on the same side as Alexander Zinchenko and he obviously does the same thing, Arsenal play that inverted fullback style with Zinchenko Um and it just allowed him to to not have to worry about defending at all because there wasn't a double overlap coming up his side, which destroys him every week. And here in turn, he came on with, I think he probably played the last 10 minutes of the game. Um, and he didn't obviously set the world on fire. He's a left back, didn't change the game. Um, but as soon as he came on, Alexander Arnold immediately had to be accountable for the right back position again. And Arsenal created two or three chances down that side. That counter-attack at the end that I'll let Sammy talk wonders about with, no. with Martinelli what at the happened? end came, came from Tierney playing a quick a quick free kick with Alexander Arnold in his face and, and charging up the line and making Trent be defensively ac- accountable again for probably the first time in the second half. And we should have, all that hard work that, we, that was put in to come back
0: and be two all should have been undone in that moment. I'm just I'm so confident if that ball hits sucker, um, it's 3-2 like Arsenal win there's no doubt in my mind there I just can't believe he's missed the pass and you can't really hang shit on Martinelli because um, he had a big 90 minutes uh, had to work hard uh, has is Arsenal's top Premier League goal scorer this season as well mm-hmm. um, he had a fantastic little quick feat to score the first in this game it's just one of those moments it's just so super frustrating and You could put it right next to that uh, Salah chance that deflected that Ramsdale tipped wide and then the the one a moment later that Ramsdale saved again. And you just compare those things and you're like, it really could have gone either way, but it certainly does feel like a loss. That one a moment
1: later that Ramsdale saved, that second excellent save he made. I don't want to obviously keeping union. Don't want to take anything away from Aaron Ramsdale, but Ibrahim Akanate has missed from Nothing half on. a yard out <laughs> off the goal line. He has just he has got an open goal, and for some reason, nosedived at the ground and tried to chest the ball across the line, and he has made yeah. the most minimal contact with the football. Yeah, it's it's a
2: it's a, diff- it's a difficult one to approach though because it's. It's sort of bounced a couple of times onto his path and you you get caught in the two minds. Do you knee it? Because it is kind of thigh height. And so I get, I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to chest it in, but you can't generate any power off of it. It's one of those things. Do you stoop low? Do you jump up and try and half-volley
1: it on the you fly? You can do, you oh, can do half... whatever you want in that scenario as long as you put the fucking ball in the back of the net. It's a, it's a great save. It's so well-read. Like he has
2: commanded the goal line. Uh, I look. I, I'll put it to the keepers union. That's just a brilliant
1: save. He's read the game so well. Um, uh, I just wanted to touch on whether you thought Sammy. if you watched highlights, watched the game back, I know you had a big weekend. Um, very very quiet game from Bukayo Saka. Off day for him, or fantastic game from Andrew Robertson, or a little bit of both.
0: Uh, why are you making me do this?
1: Because
2: <laughs> he little, killed all of our same-game multis, sucker. A little bit just, of both. A little bit of both.
0: I don't want to give Andy Robertson too much credit. Uh, fucking whatever. He's but, too you know. busy tussling with the linesman to get any credit. Yeah, he's in. too busy being a baby about being brushed away by a <laughs> linesman.
1: The um, last thing I have on this game is Arsenal, up until 10 days ago, were... Uh, were title favorites and you've been leading all the way and with 10 minutes to go in this game you brought on a center back and when they panned the camera to the sideline and i could see him standing there next to the fourth official i looked at a player leading a title race with eight games to go and thought who the fuck is that
2: mm. I, I thought i was the only ignorant one when he come on because i was like who on earth is yakub
0: yakub kirio got out there got some minutes um yeah, interesting one. Erdegaard as well, being the one to make way. Was there, what was the score at that point? It was two all already. Uh, no, it, wasn't, no, it was two uh, one. Because the eighty seventh minute, the goal went in. So yeah, it was still two one. You know, not a horrendous call. Um, just just needed the, some help back there. They were under the pump.
2: The top Google search for him. It, how good is Jacob <laughs> Kiwior? <kill> we, <off?
0: laughs> well, we don't know. I'm not sure it's had any effect on the result. Um, What I do know is it's just so volatile. Like Arsenal have obviously dropped points in this game, and all of a sudden, it's like just things just feel like they change so much in one result. Um, The reason it got out bigger because obviously the game in hand um, and they City have that game, they win that game. It's three points and then that we're still gonna play still gotta play Arsenal at home. So I don't know. I'm just I feel like it's gone, even though it's not gone. I just can't see City dropping more points. It just feels so grim at the moment. But you know, it feels like this every week when things when a result doesn't go your way. It feels so dramatic and full on and like everything's changed, but who knows? We'll see what happens. Eight to go. You're preaching to the choir, Sammy. At one point, at halftime,
2: Leeds were sitting pretty in 12th position, clear of everybody else. And now all of a sudden, we're back in the muck. Um, And you look at the form of the top three sides, even Newcastle, who have put five wins on the trot together as well. um, We're reaching that squeaky bum time where the the good sides are just not dropping points. Mm. We may have found that city form line we've been waiting for, that just, you know, the indestructible win, 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 win.
1: Um, That game. The Arsenal City game is going to be insane. This is such a frustrating result as well from a Liverpool supporter because in our worst season in five years, top four is probably gone, potentially nothing to play for, don't want to play in the Conference League or the Europa League, and we are still from eighth position doing everything we possibly can to spoon-feed these
0: blue fucks another (laughs) title. Yeah, I was really pissed about that too. I was real salty about it as though... Liverpool had a responsibility to not help City win the league. I feel like everyone does. Although, Poopy, I feel like you should be you would be supporting Man City to win. Why is that? In what sense? Well, you you want Wrexham to win. <laughs> <laughs> you think it's really good that Wrexham are winning, despite them spending a ton, a fuck ton more than every other team in the National League. So I just thought you'd be all about Man City winning as well. But it I was just... good. It was good to see that the, the wages come out during the week. I was interested to see
1: um, mm. how much more they were shelling out to get themselves yeah. out of this deal. Not,
0: not that big a fairy tale, is it? Mm.
1: Yeah, I think that's most people's frustration with Wrexham is that it's the whole people going, "This is a fairy tale. You couldn't write this." Um, And I saw a great tweet from someone that said with everything that's happened with Wrexham this season, um, they played Notts County in the biggest national league game in so many years and the biggest Wrexham game in 15 years. And they've re-signed their, their young boy wonder, Ben Foster. And, if I was going to write a script for this game, a 97th minute Ben po- Ben Foster game-winning penalty save absolutely would have been in that script. So do not give me that you cannot write this shit, stuff because you definitely can. It's it's too good to be true. Why the love? Him, Why is the Ben
0: Foster love his, all of a sudden? His,
1: his GoPro and everything set up so that he
0: can Jesus shell
2: Christ. some more YouTube viewers.
1: There's nah. going to be some cracking footage. I know. I know you're not a fan of it, but that's going to be a good watch.
0: Yeah, you watch it. And you let us know how it goes. <laughs> <All> <laughs> We're right. just indifferent towards it. It's not. It's just not the fairy tale um, people say it is. Some quick other shit from around the place uh, in Germany. Uh, Dortmund and Bayern both won their games on the weekend. Uh, Bayern beat Freiburg, who they had lost to midweek to be knocked out of the DFB Pokal, the German Cup. Um, great result. I was cheering with that. I uh, just love seeing buy and lose, but they came back and uh, won the league game, which is probably the more important one at this point. If you're a Borussia Dortmund fan, uh, whereas Borussia Dortmund beat Uni on Berlin, Yusuf Makoko scored with ten or twelve minutes to go, popped up in his fiftieth Bundesliga appearance at like four years of age. So good on good on the toddler, Yusuf Makoko. Um, Dortmund also knocked out of the cup by Leipzig fairly fairly comfortably. So yeah, more That's child labor. Yeah, more child labor for um, it. There was an Old Firm, which we previewed last week a little bit, but, uh, you know, the title was looking a bit, even if Rangers had one, it was a big ask. They'd have to claw back another six points. Um, but they've they've lost at 3-2, and it was a rollercoaster game with a lot happening. Um, some interesting decisions. Celtic got a little bit lucky with some of their goals. Uh, James Tavernier scored a fucking belter of a free kick Worldly. and then he floated in to score the second for Rangers as well to make it interesting but it's worth noting he now has a hundred goals for the club um, and he's a right back so you know oh, Trent could only dream it's just worth mentioning um, a lot of those a lot of those penalties he does take a lot of penalties but he does pop up every now and again with other goals so how do you reckon he would go in the Premier League side Well, this is what we talked about this last year, and I thought him Hmm. of the if anyone in Scotland was going to be was good enough to play in the Premier League at at this point, it was going to be Tavernier from Rangers and Callum McGregor from Celtic. Celtic, I think there's probably a few other nominees at Celtic at the moment that would be good enough. Like there is, um, I'm I'm not being biased now, my Rangers listeners friends, um, but Celtic are just that far ahead of them. At the moment, still, I guess some of the some of the Japanese players they brought in are pretty exciting. Oh, they might yeah. go all right up front for you know a team that needs to nab goals down in the relegation zone or something. So maybe a Kyogo or someone. But um you look at how I much know, time is yeah. fed, Kyogo would do a job, man. Absolutely. Cullen McGregor and James Tavernier are the two for me. I thought they'd be decent Premier League players, but just for whatever reason the move hasn't come. They're both captains of their clubs now as well, and they look pretty set to stay forever. Um, the upside for Rangers, I guess, is that since Bill came in and took over from Gerard, they have only dropped points against Celtic, no one else. So, and that's a draw, a draw and a loss. But they scored two at Celtic Park. So, you know, um, not all doom and gloom for them, I guess, but they'll have to wait till next year at this point. So you, you do love the discrepancy in the table don't only like 88, 76, and then Aberdeen on 47 points. It just... Yeah, it's just, wow. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's incredible. It makes it tough to enjoy the league, but, you know, it just becomes more about your club than it is the league at that point. Like, I don't know what the answer is. I feel a bit dirty about it sometimes when I think about it, but I don't know what the answer is. I, like, is it Celtic and Rangers joining? like English football, but then what happens to Scottish football if they do that? Who knows? Uh, Not really. probably not my place to answer. Scottish football may as well be the A-League at that point. Do we see a potential
1: future with Ange Postacoglu getting a move to a Premier League side and taking a bunch of his Asian boys with him?
0: Hopefully not soon.
2: I like how you characterise that. (laughs) Just Ange with his
0: his his trio of asian fellas following him wherever he goes yeah there's a few um i think oh yeah hopefully not soon i think he's still got work to do at celtic and he's pretty pumped about playing champions league football so you know unless that's on the card somewhere in england i doubt it Mm, spurs
1: real it's real football manager spec where you you climb the the ladder of job succession throughout the world over a period, but you have these soft spots for players that have done a job for you at clubs that aren't good enough to be playing a new one, but you take them with you just because
0: mm. Yeah, fair enough um, Are we talking about Luke Ailing again? <laughs> I was trying to avoid it I don't ever want to talk about Luke Ailing on this pod again Um. I don't know if you boys have got anything else you want to add otherwise we're done and we can wrap it up and move on to a red edition Go Rexham. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Stay tuned. Adelaide United had a, I'd say, a disappointing draw at home to Sydney. So we're going to record that in a few minutes. So that'll be in your feeds. Have a a listen. Get around us on social media and uh, watch out for Tommy's uh, apparent tweets and let us know so we can go and quickly delete them. All right. Enjoy, guys.